Amen. Tonight, what I want to talk to you about is developing uh, a biblical, a 2013 biblical state of being. A biblical state of being. And if our PowerPoint can slap up there, we'll get started pretty quick. But I can't start till again. It goes, developing a 2013 biblical state of being. Now, let me explain this to you just a little bit. Uh, there's so many things in Scripture, in the New Testament. And we could say a New Testament state of being because that's where we're going to stay tonight. There's so many things in Scripture, so many passages in Scripture that talk about uh, what we are to be. Our, amen? You get the thought? So it's a biblical state of being, what we need to be in 2013. So if everybody's got that, that mind, the, the, the understanding of our topic, look at me and go, I got it. If you don't, if you don't have it, say, help me, help me. Anybody, you got it? Okay. A biblical state of being, because in 2013, uh, you and I have the opportunity really as every day to establish ourselves more and more into what God was have us to be as his children. And so there is a prerequisite to being able to, to be what God wants you to be. Uh, 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 Daniel, you weren't in the arm. Were you in the army? In the Army National Guard, I don't, who is, which one is, be all that you can be in the Army. Anybody heard that one? I don't know if they still do that little jingle. Uh, but they're trying to, trying to get guys, gals to sign up to, into the Army and be all that they could be. In other words, if you get in the Army, you're, you're going to be what God or be what you, you desire to be. You know what? The desire of every believer ought to be to be what God would have us to be. But there's a prerequisite. Before you can be what God wants you to be and be able to establish a biblical state of being in 2013, there's some things you need to be knowing. And really these first passages of scripture have to do with knowing who we are. The prerequisite of being is understanding and knowing who we are is always a prerequisite to being. Until you know who you are in Christ, you'll never be able to be what he wants you to be. Could I get a better amen? And so this is the big prerequisite. And you know what? In, in most Christians' life, this is where they miss it. And as a result, are never really arrive at God's best for their life. Because they really don't understand who they are as a child of God. And, and as, as, as being established in Christ. So with that in mind, we're going to look at some passages of Scripture to just give us a little idea about who we are. Because everyone say, who I am. Determines who, I'll be. determines who I'll be. That's really true. And when you understand your new identity in Christ, it'll help you be what God wants you to be. So here we go. Just, just uh, hey, uh, let these scriptures massage your brain a little bit. Romans eight sixteen says what? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. All the children of God say amen. amen. So who are we according to Romans eight sixteen? Children of God. Galatians 3. Take the mic back to uh, Michelle and let her read these. uh, (coughs) Read verse 26 and then then let me comment and then we'll go to 4. Romans 3. uh, I said Romans. Galatians 3 26. 3 26. Okay. Yes. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Pretty simple. How many have had faith in Christ Jesus? So therefore, you, according to. You know, scripture just so plain and clear, is it not? We're sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, Galatians 4, 6 and 7. It says, 
Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Wow. If you're a son, you're an heir of God. The same, the same heritage, the same inheritance that Jesus Christ had as a son, we have as well. Okay? So, hey, and then 1 John chapter 3, verse uh, 1 really through 3. I don't know if I, threw, if I gave you all those. Uh, 1, John 1, uh, 1 John 3, 1 through 3. See how much our Heavenly Father loves us. For He allows us to be called His children. And we really are. But the people who belong to this world don't know God, so they don't understand that we are his children. Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children, and we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when he comes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who believe this will keep themselves pure, just as Christ is. Oh, I love that passage of scripture. All the sons and daughters of God say another big amen. amen. And then finally, Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 15. I think I, and I may need some more verses, so let me jump over there and make sure that I don't cut you short. Ephesians 1, pardon me. Uh, yeah, Ephesians 1, 15 through 19. 19. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his, of his inheritance in the saints. Wow. You know what Paul just prayed for you? You know what Paul prayed for us? That our eyes would be open to who we are and all we have as his saints. You see, most people's eyes are not open to who we are in Christ and what we have available to us. And this is the prerequisite to being, being able to be what God would want you to be, what the Bible wants you and desires for us to be. And as we're looking to the new year in 2013, let me stop and ask you this. How many of you in 2013 would like to be something different than you are today for his glory and honor? Well, I'm going to give you 12 things from the New Testament, 12 states of being, if you will, 12 different aspects of the character and the nature of Christ are really directives uh, 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 for your life in 2013 to be able to apply these in your life. You see, who we are empowers our ability to be. So first thing, the prerequisite, embrace who you are in Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter. I'm an heir of Christ Jesus. And because of that, in fact, uh, the passage in, in Ephesians or in 1 John, uh, we don't know all the things we have, but we'll, it'll all be fully realized when we see him, when we meet him. It, uh, that, that process of sanctification and becoming like Christ will be made complete. And so the Bible teaches, here we go, that because of who we are in him, we are to be some things, okay? Here we go. I'm going to give you 12. We're just going to look at them. And, and I'll, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write these down. And you know what you could do if you were really cool? 
you could take these and, and pick one per month for 2013 and begin to focus on that aspect of your life uh, and say, you know what, I'm going to really strengthen this area and I'm going to develop a, a tw- in 2013 a whole new biblical state of being. All right, are you ready? Here we go. The first one is, according to the Word of God, we are to be joined together. Everyone say, be joined together. Now, here's where you might get Bible blisters, Ephesians 2.19. I want you to look at it. Because the Bible says this, and basically we're going to hit each one of them lightly. But understand something, these are not small things. These are things, in fact, uh, the first of the year, we're going to focus on this El Numero Uno being joined. My series in January, and our emphasis even on Wednesday night, I think, in January, is going to be called Coming Together. Everyone say, Coming Together. There are so many things in Scripture that talk about the fact that we need to come together and be together. We're the body of Christ. How many of you know the body of Christ needs to be connected together, joined together? Remember the the Old Testament prophecy where, who was it, saw the dry bones? uh, Ezekiel saw the dry bones, Ezekiel 39, and he saw a vision of the dry bones coming together. Man, I think that might be my focus for the new year. Hey, God's bringing us together, okay? And so here's the here's a couple of passages, Ephesians 2:19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being what? Fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are being built together, uh, 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 growing in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in whom you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. What an emphasis for our life. In fact, uh, my prayer is in January that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ right here at Church on the Rock North would catch a whole new revelation of the importance and the priority of, of the family of God in their life and began to come together and began to get this biblical insight. You know, there's some things, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but there's some things that bring us together if we'll allow them. And one of them is the biblical uh, mandate. And here it is. We're joined together by the foundation of the apostles and prophets talking about the word of God. Amen. And so we need to be joined together. In fact, look over in 416, chapter 4, verse 16, same uh, 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 book in Ephesians. For whom the whole body, see that very word body infers coming together, is joined and knit together by which every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Uh, wow. And man, this is, I'm jazzed about in January. So that's the focus of January coming together. In fact, uh, Ryan and I were talking, he was telling about a podcast that he, that he watched or listened to by Andy Stanley. He, he called it engage. Uh, and, uh, he's, He's talking to the church and he's pretty tough. He, he talked about the fact and he said some things like this. Uh, and I guess you can do this if you've got one of the biggest churches in America. He said, hey, if you've been saved through four years and you've been coming here through in four years and you're not involved and you're disengaged from ministry, uh, I want to kindly ask you to leave. You're dragging us down. He said, because you become, you become dead weight. We need people who can toe the line and get involved in ministry. 
I'm not saying that. I'll let Andy Stanley say that. Uh, but hey, what I'm saying is, hey, let's get joined together. Because when every joint begins to supply, it causes growth in the church. And what he's saying, if you're not supplying, you're not causing growth. In fact, you're, you're, you're causing the, the church to be deformed. And dis, dis, isn't that right? So, hey, let's focus in 2013, our own lives. On being joint, be joined together and being connected, being a part, uh, plugging in, get involved, helping, serving, growing, uh, 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 being uh, engaged in the ministry that God has placed us in. So that's number one. The first thought about being, uh, uh, developing a uh, biblical state of being, be joined together with the body of Christ. Number two, and we're going to focus on this in the beginning of the year, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 is in Pentecost. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. How many were filled? All were filled. You know, that's interesting to me how, they, how we've, we've kind of watered that down. You know what? God wants every Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Ephesians 5, I think verse 18 says, Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. In 2013, what if we as the church family made it our focus, made it our intent that I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only am I going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but my family is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be spirit-filled Christians in 2013. Somebody say amen. That's a biblical state of being. And you know, once you, let me stop and re, re-emphasize the prerequisite. Once you, you know who you are, look how, look how natural this becomes. Hey, I'm a child of God. I've got to be joined with the family. Hey, I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. Oh, the same thing that was available to the first century church is available to me. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life too. In fact, in, uh, the second, Sun, second Wednesday in January, we're going to do our best to double and triple our attendance here on Wednesday night by going through the series uh, by Robert Morris, the pastor of Gateway Church in Dallas, uh, the, the God I Never Knew, How Real Relationship with the Holy Spirit Can Change Your Life. Not a, not a, some kind of religious relationship, a religious experience, but a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to, we're going to go through some video. We're going to break out into small groups. And I got a feeling that people are going to fall in love with the Holy Spirit in their life and begin to be empowered and be filled with the Holy Spirit like never before. So, hey, a biblical state of being in 2013, be joined. Everyone say be joined. My next one is be filled. Everyone say be filled. And then number three, the Bible teaches us that we need to be strong. That needs to be our state of being. Ephesians 6.10, we're still in Ephesians. Look what it says. Finally, my brethren. Now, how many of you know when you hear finally, Paul's, he's hitting, he's coming to a conclusion and he's making a big emphasis at the end. And if you, let me just look up at me a second. Let me, let me give you my Quickie outline of Ephesians. The first three verses, first three chapters of Ephesians are based on who Christ is for us and what he's done for us. For by grace you're saved through faith. 
Uh, we're children of God and all those things. We're heirs. Uh, Ephesians 1 has been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But when you get to chapter 3, it starts, it starts de- defining what we need to be and who we need to be. And then as he gets to the end of that, he says, when he's telling us all the things we need to do and all the things we need to be in the last three chapters, he says, finally, my brethren. Now, let me get this point across. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Where does our strength come from? It's in the Lord and in the power of whose might? What a focus of our life. What a focus of our life in 2013. If we develop a, a biblical state of being in 20, what I'm going to be in 2013, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a uh, 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 milk toast. I'm not going to be jelly spine anymore. I'm not going to be, uh, you know, fearful and doubtful. I'm going to be strong in the Lord. Come on. And in the power of his might, I'm not going to let the devil run me off the, off course. I'm going to put on the whole armor of God. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to kick the devil right out of my house. I'm going to let the strength of God come upon me in every area. That's what I'm going to be in 2013. I'm going to be joined to the family. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be strong in the Lord in 2013. Boy, somebody else needed to be here tonight too, didn't they? How many of you know some people who need to be strong in the Lord? Amen. Number four. Here's another one in Ephesians. We've got to be grounded. Look in Ephesians 3.17. Look what Paul says. He's praying for us. He's bowing before the Father in verse 14 and praying for us. And he says in verse 16 that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man. There's that strength. And verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, this is a powerful truth. He's praying that we would be rooted and grounded in love and, and not just for our fellow man, but in our love for God. Look what he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded may love. And look what happens when you do that. You'll be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, the more you fall in love with God, the more you get grounded in your love relationship with God, the more of the revelation of God is made manifest in your life uh, and you'll begin to know more and more of the fullness of God. And then he, of course, he goes on to say, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think to him be glory in the church through Christ Jesus. How did all that happen? Because we root, we're rooted and grounded in the love of God. Amen. What an emphasis of our life in 2013. What a wonderful state of being. And the more you know who you are in Him, the more grounded you become. I'm His Son. He died for me. He sent His Son to die for me. He loves me. I love Him. Nothing's going to undermine the love of God in my heart. Nothing's going to separate me, Paul said, from the love of God. Shall tribulation, shall uh, sorrow and suffering? Absolutely not. Amen. Somebody say amen. Number five of the list of 12 and being a, developing a biblical state of being in 2013 is be confident. Philippians 1, 6, Paul said this. Being confident of this very thing, 
that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you know a, a stronger sense of confidence in Christ? You see, the more you know, the more you know who you are in him, the more confident you become in him. He created me. He made me. He loves me. He has a plan for me. Uh, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give me a future and a hope. I'm confident that what he did in me, what he started in me, he will complete in me until the day of Jesus Christ. In fact, what did the writer of Hebrews say in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35? He said, don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Don't cast away your confidence. Stay confident. What a wonderful state of being in 2013. You know, uh, you know, we just got through the presidential election. There's, tr- there's, there's uh, disagreements. There's, there's issues. There's political issues. There's upheaval. There's, there's people irritated. There's people, I mean, there's all, hey, our confidence, we don't trust, the Bible says, in horses and chariots or in our stuff or in our political system. We put our trust and our confidence confidence in him. Somebody say amen. Everyone say be joined. Everyone say be filled. Everyone say be strong. Everyone say be grounded. Everyone say be confident. And then here's one too that we'll close out this first slide. It's number six. Hey, be holy. Oh, there's a lot here, but gosh, Ephesians 1, 4, uh, it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. <coughs> Pardon me. First Peter 1, 15, I think says this. It says, be ye holy for I am holy, says the Lord. We have a misunderstanding of holy. Sometimes we think, you know, you kind of float six inches above the ground and Wear a white robe and talk in King James English. How many of you know that's not holy? That may be, well, if you float six inches above the ground, there's something going on there, I guess. But I've never seen that happen. But holiness is a process of becoming more and more like him. It's called sanctification. You see, again, let me throw it out. Justification, just as if I'd never sinned, happens by God's mercy and grace. And when we're born again, we're justified. We become just as if we'd never sinned. Then then the process of sanctified begins. In fact, what did we read Sunday? We're going to read it again. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready. That's our last one. But, uh, but we sanctify, we set him apart in our hearts and we endeavor to be like him. And what a, what a, what a focus of our life in 2013. If we just begin to, this is what I'm going to be in 2013. You see, let me just stop. Let me, we're halfway through already. Let me just say, it's halftime. Everybody do a halftime. Everybody do a halftime. Stand up. Let's do halftime stretch. Come on. Come on. Turn around and give somebody a high five. Say it's halftime. It's halftime stretch. It's halftime stretch. We're halfway home here. What would happen? You may be seated. If, if we just really get serious about who we are. Most people, they don't, they don't think about life this way. You know what most people are thinking right now? I hope I make it through the holiday. My Lord, I hope I, I hope, I hope I got enough uh, money for my month. Man, I, I hope, I hope my old man gets a little better in his cranky old years. I hope that, you know, we knock on wood. We live life so far beneath. Let me, 
we live our lives so far beneath when in reality we're heirs of God, we're sons and daughters of God, and we're treating ourselves like, like little uncared for stepchildren that have been thrown away. That's not who we are. But when we understand who we are, then we, hey, then we'll be joined with the body, filled with the Holy Spirit, be strong, be grounded, be confident, be holy. Amen. Amen. So here we go. Second half. Number seven. 2013 biblical state of being. Be changed. There's some things in our life that need to change. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, one we've looked at from different angles and different series and different situations. You ought to be able to quote it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. There's that holiness, which is your reasonable service of worship. And then verse 2, and do not be conformed uh, to this world, but be transformed. Everyone say, be transformed. The Greek word for transform is where we get the word metamorphosis. Anybody remember metamorphosis? Remember the little caterpillar becomes a butterfly. That's a metamorphosis process. And that's the, the exact word Paul used. He said, hey, uh, let's, be, let's be changed. Let's be transformed. How do we do that? By the renewing of your what? Mind. Everyone say, by the renewing of your mind. You see, in 2013, you can change the way you think. When you get, because he said, hey, I'm, verse one, I'm giving my life, my mind, everything I am. I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice unto God. I'm giving him my, and you know what? I'm choosing not to allow the world to conform me to its image, but I'm choosing to let God change the way I think. Because listen, some of us think ways that are not God's ways. We think that we have a system of thought that is contrary to God's purpose and plan for our life. And some of us get in this ditch and we're stuck and we wonder, oh, am I stuck? God doesn't love me. God's not hearing my prayers. No, you're not thinking right. You got, a, you got stinking thinking. If you change the way you think, you can change the way you act. You change the way you act. You can change the way you're going and you can arrive in God's destiny for your life. 2013. <laughs> Let me ask this. While I cough, you think. What is it in the way I think that is contrary to God's will for my life? Ponder that a minute. La di da da. La di da. La di da di da. Di da di da di. La di da di. Da di da. La da 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 da. If you can identify unhealthy, unholy, unproductive mindsets in your life, that however they got there, I don't know how they got there. You might can go, you know, you might say, well, my mama this, my, my daddy. Hey, okay, well, we'll blame it on mom and daddy. They might have done it. But you have a responsibility to fix it. Because it doesn't say here, God's going to change the way we think. Now, he'll get involved. But the directive is, don't be conformed 
to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to yield our brain to a whole new biblical mindset in our life. Amen? Wow. What if, what if God's people got a hold of that in 2013? Everyone say, be changed. Number eight, be models or examples. 2013, God would have us to be examples to the body of Christ. Everyone say, be models. Is it up there? Boom, shakalaka. There it is. Ephesians 5.1. If you go back to Ephesians, Paul says, uh, be imitators of Christ. Everyone say, be imitators of Christ. In other words, follow him and, 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 and yield yourself to him and allow him to, uh, to change the way you live and so on and so forth. I'm trying to get there because I want to co- comment uh, just a moment. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Then he talks about walking in love, so on and so forth. Now, you can write this down and look at it later. Uh, but uh, Ephesians, oh, no, no, no. First uh, Timothy 3, write it down uh, and just look at it later. It's a whole guide for and description for uh, leaders in the church. They call them bishops here, but it's just real leadership. Leader, and, and what he's saying, if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be a part of the family of God, you've got to be an example. You've got to be a model. You ever heard the old, well, I'll do as I say, not as I do. How many of you know this is a little hypocritical? Hey, you kid, don't you be smoking now when you grow up. This old stuff will give you cancer. Don't do that now. Now I'm an alcoholic, but don't, how many of you know that monkey see, monkey do? Right? Am I right about that? And here's our mantra for our leadership team uh, in 2013. Model, mentor, and multiply. Here it is on a team, and we're all part of a team. We have to model it. If you want somebody to be a certain way, if you want somebody to, to, to learn to, to pick up after themselves, what do you do? You, you pick up after yourself. You don't pick up after them, you pick up after yourself. Because you don't want to be hypocritical. You model it, and then you mentor it. Let me show you some good ways to pick up after yourself. If you'll do it every day, it won't be a big deal. If you'll just get in the habit of, you know, and you mentor them and you help them. Model, mentor, and what will happen? They'll begin to catch it, and then they'll begin to do it. Everyone say, model, mentor, multiply. Say it real fast, model, mentor, multiply. Man, in fact, understand this. Paul told Timothy in, in, uh, oh, let me see. First uh, Timothy chapter four. Uh, let me just flip over there. First Timothy four, verse mm, uh, twelve. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. What's he saying? You got to model it. You got to model it for the family of God. You got to model it. And, and let me tell you something. We're, how can we do this? Because we're imitating Christ. I don't know if I can be such a forgiver. Well, you have to be because you're following Christ and he's a forgiver. I don't know if I can stop smoking, chewing, going with the girls. That do. Yet you're going to have to because he lives on the inside of you. If you want to be like him, you got to follow after him and purify yourselves and, 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 and get your life right. Be a model that other... And let me tell you something. There's a, there's a huge... Everyone say huge... 
There's a huge vacuum in the world of good role models in the, in the earth. Amen. And you know what? Most of us don't have a lot on our list, do we? Let's be honest. How many of you have at least 10 people in your life that you look to as real role models in your life? How many of you have at least five that you're big role models? That's pretty good. How many of you have uh, maybe three? How many of you have two? How many of you have one? Help me, I might be one. Everybody has one. I should be a model. Okay. In other words, w- listen, we got to change the tide. We got to turn the 2013. We need to be models and examples to the world of how, what Christ Jesus looks like and how he acts and how he responds. That's who are we we're to be examples. Amen. Number 9. Oh, uh No, I'm done. Number 9. This sounds simplistic. Be kind. If it, you know, you know, some things we think, well, that goes without saying. Not true. Paul the Apostle in Ephesians 4, 32, in 31, look what he said. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. In verse 32, you would think you wouldn't have to say this in church. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You would think you wouldn't have to say that in church. We're all Christians. No. Hey. And then, and then, then he says, therefore, be imitators of God. That's, that's exactly what he said. Be kind to one another. 2013. What a, what a thought. What a revelation in 2013. I'm going to develop a biblical state of being in my home, in my workplace, in my community. I'm going to be kind to one another. I'm going to be tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave me. Amen. Wouldn't it be cool in the latter years of your life and maybe even on the memorial stone? I don't want to be too morbid here. I always tell people, don't make me lie when you're lying here. But at the close of your life, friends and family would gather around. Listen, let's be honest. We're a moment, a twinkle. That's all we are. And people would begin to gather from all around and say, he was the most kind, tender-hearted, loving person I ever knew. Think about it. Hey, I got people I know around me. I couldn't say that about them. Mean-spirited. Unforgiving cranky, irritated, irritable, and then talk in tongues. That doesn't make a lick of sense, does it? Everyone say, be kind to one another. In fact, in another passage, Peter said this, be hospitable to one another. Be hospitable. Okay? Wow. 
a biblical state of being. And here's a broad one, number 10, and you could really work on this. This could be a, this could be a real study on your part. Be diligent. Everyone say be diligent. Let me kind of just throw out a few. Second Timothy 2, uh, go, back, go over there. Second Timothy 2, Paul the Apostle says this, verse 15, I believe it is, uh, to Timothy. He says, be diligent, verse 15, chapter 2, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, the word diligent, we're going to use a few, di- I'm going to show you a few different verses, but let me just, t- let me. Time out, pause. Uh, you know, eh, you're going to have a little huddle here uh, while we're in the second half, coming close to the fourth quarter, about to finish this thing off. Uh, most people in life are not really diligent about much of anything. We get so scatterbrained. Some are. Most people are more diligent about punching their time clock at work than they are serving God and loving Him and being faithful. We're diligent in certain areas of our life. You know, there's a neighborhood close to us and, and I'm not this. And so I'm a, you know, when somebody does something a lot better than you, you end up being a little critical, right? So, so I'm not a landscaper or a landskeeper. I, you know, I'm not diligent in that. Barely know. But we go walking in these new neighborhoods and there's one guy he is diligent. He's, he's out there. The sprinklers are going. Fine-tuning them sprinklers. Buddy, that's everything. I mean, his, it's perfect. He, you know, and so I made the, I just, man, looking good. And you, when I just gave him a compliment, buddy, it's like I had just, I had just poured it all over. He's, I mean, everything's, he's OCD is what I think, but he's calling it. It's diligent. You know, some people, they give it all to something. But it's all in the wrong place. Paul said, be diligent to present yourself approved unto God. A worker who does not be ashamed, have to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Peter, he, he, he learned some things in his life. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, he said, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Having a spirit of diligence about your, diligence about your prayer life. Chapter 5, verse 8 of 1 Peter, he says this, uh, Be sober, be vigilant, or diligent, if you will, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Be diligent. Wow. Look at chapter, uh, let's see. Chapter 3, verse 14. What does it say? May This may be a misprint. Yeah, it is. So anyway, everybody said, everybody said be diligent. 2013. What if we got diligent about some things from our spiritual life? About our devotional life? We, we were diligent to present ourselves approved unto God. Wow. Number 11 state of being. Be thankful. If you read Romans 1, you don't need to turn there. One of the signs, one of the 
first signals and signs of a depraved heart is an ungracious, unthankful heart. And we're, we're raising a generation of unthankful kids. I'm, hey, you want to make it personal? You want me to just throw out one? From time to time, we do special things for kids right here in this church. Let me just say, parents, very few of them have learned the fine art of being thankful. They've, learned, they've come to expect things rather than be thankful for things. It's not a good sign. And it's not a good sign for us to not be thankful. Colossians 3.15. Uh, uh, I can't quote it, but the last two or three words are, and be thankful. Everyone say, and be thankful. Let me just read Colossians 3.15. Here it is. Oh, I should be able to quote this one. I quote it all the time. And let the peace of God rule your hearts, to which you're called together in one body, and be thankful. In fact, Paul said it this way in our prayers. Don't worry about anything. I think this is Philippians. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything with an attitude of thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Be thankful. I'm going to be thankful. Whatever. You know, what's, you get the glass half empty or half full. The pessimist goes, well, it's half empty. The optimist goes, ooh, it's half full. Thank you, Jesus. I think in our life, we need to learn to be thankful for what we have. I just don't think God can bless what we have unless we're thankful for what we do have. If we don't know how to pray with an attitude of thanksgiving for what we do have, how can God afford to give us more if we're not thankful for what we do have? Amen? Wow. And then finally, as I said earlier, the final thought in these potentially 12-month focal point of developing a biblical state of being is be ready. Be ready. Anybody watch the Doomsday Preppers? I watched a few episodes. And they were sucking me in a little bit. I'm going, maybe I need to buy a bucket of seeds. I don't know, you know, maybe I... But they, everything in them, I've got to be ready for doomsday. They take their kids, and I'm not being critical, I'm just saying, they are readying themselves for some cataclysmic event which may happen I'd like to make friends with a dooms with a doomsday prepper because when it happens I'm going to jump in the car and follow them wherever they're going because I know they got months and months of food stacked up somewhere if I was a doomsday prepper I wouldn't put it on TV that was stupid if you ask me because everybody saw him on TV I saw that guy I don't know where he lives they'll be at your door on doomsday <laughs> they didn't think about that one, did they? But they're ready. But that's not what I'm talking about. 
Look in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look what Paul said in verse 2. Hey, let me... Mm. I'll start in verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at the appearing in His, his kingdom. And, and that's just a big thing, a big statement saying, I'm charging you before Jesus. You better get this one. Verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. In other words, get it down. Get your guns loaded with the gospel. Get your spirit loaded with the gospel. Be ready to share the gospel. Be ready in season and out. Don't stumble around with what you don't know. Hey, get it down. Get it ready. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I always butcher people's uh, 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 skills and abilities, but, but Kobe here is, give me your official title. A nurse, I can't even say it, a nurse, a nurse, a nurse, something. You know what they do. They count to three or count to ten back and they never, that's it. They, they put you out and then watch you drool. That's what they do. But let me tell you something. They're not, they're not going to let me do that. Are they? Because I, I'm not ready. I've not prepared myself. Kobe can do it almost in his sleep. I wouldn't want him to, but I know he probably could. And put you out. Sometimes at night I wanted him to come. Just Kobe put me out. I need help. I can't do that. Because I'm not prepared. But we as God's kids, we can be prepared. That's why... That's what he said. Be ready to get to. In fact, uh, here's the closing scripture that I, that Peter said uh, in in First Peter chapter three verse fifteen. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you, with meekness and fear. What would happen in 2013 if you and I really got ready? To be used by God every day of our life. When we change the focus, you know, most of our getting ready is just, I'm getting ready for work. And then what I've learned is most people, I don't punch a clock, but most people, once they get work, get to work, you know what they're getting ready to do? Go home! Then they get to noon, they start winding down. It's about time to go home. It's about to start time. We got to spend the last hour packing up. Because I'm getting ready to go home. Hey, what about if we just get ready to be used by God? That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be diligent. Get ready, Ike. We're going backwards. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be a model. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. Oh, oh you got to go to the next slide back. You got to go to the next slide back. I got three in front I'm going to be joined. I'm going to be filled. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be grounded. I'm going to be confident. I'm going to be holy. That's my 2013 state of being. That's what I'm going to be. Let me ask you, 
What are you going to be in 2013? There's a whole lot of biblical insight that can put you on track to being all that you can be in the family of God. Let's stand together. What was the prerequisite? The more you know Him, till you know who you are in Him, you can't be Him. And that's what all these things are. They're character of, characteristics of Christ. You can't be like Him until you, until you understand who you are in Him. That you're a son, you're His daughter, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You have available to you all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You see, the understanding of who you are empowers you to be what He wants you to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank You today. We thank You for the past and all You've done for us, Lord. How You've helped us and graced us. How You've bought us and paid for us. How You've placed us into Your family by faith. That You adopted us we can cry out by the Spirit of God, Abba Father, we thank you for who we are as your kids. But now, Lord, as we look to the future, as we look to the new year, let us begin to focus on what you want us to be. Let us make decision and choice and prioritize our life to be everything you want us to be. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said amen. Wow. God bless each and every one of you. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the new year. I'm thrilled about some things. In fact, I get my calendar out and it seems like 2013 is so small. I look and I go, oh man, there's so much I want to do. Where are we going to put it? How are we going to do it? I'm plan. Hey, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. I'm planning for a great year in 2013. In my own life, in the church, with our leaders. Amen. How about you? God bless you. Thanks for being here tonight. Hey, next Wednesday night we won't be here. It'll be December 26th, and most of us will be sitting around going, Oh, what have I done? In that kind of lethargic state of being. But then the following Wednesday, let me just say this, January 2nd.